Uh, this morning, we're in week two uh, of our series, All of Me. And uh, we started this series last week, really coming out of Easter with this in mind. If Jesus has really been raised from the dead, that changes everything. Right? It changes everything about who we are. It changes everything about what we do. It changes everything about how, we, how our mindset, our, um, how we see our emotions, all of that stuff. It changes everything. If Jesus has been raised from the dead, everything has been changed. And so last week we really began this series really talking about that if Jesus is raised from the dead, I can give all of me, there's the title of the sermon, sermon series for you, I can give all of me to him. And we looked at Matthew chapter 11 and looked at the, the, the Jesus saying, you know, take my yoke upon you. Uh, it is, yeah, take my yoke upon you. Matthew chapter 11 is where we were last week. Uh, and Jesus really removing the yoke of trying to do it on our own. And having us put on his yoke and, and being able to, to live under his power and be able to, to have him guide us and go. And so we were taking on the yoke of Christ, giving up all of us, giving up ourselves, finding ourselves under the lordship of Christ, letting him lead. And as we give up all that we are to Christ, we hinted at this last week, this is what we're going to be talking about today. We, this is like the, the greatest exchange in all of history. We give up all that we are to Christ. And in exchange... We receive all of Christ. Now that's a beautiful picture there. We give up everything that we are, and we receive all of God. This is, this is the gospel. Today we're going to be kind of talking about that. We're going to actually spend our time in the book of Colossians. Uh, we'll be all over like we always are, but we're going to start in the book of Colossians. And so uh, Colossians chapter 1, if you want to go there with me, uh, is where we're going to begin. And uh, in Colossians, really... Paul here is writing to, uh, writing to the church in Colossae, <laughs> and uh, you know, he's writing to this church, and he, he has some very important kind of words to say to them. There's, a, there's been some things going on there, some people kind of talking about really who is, who is Jesus anyways, right? Why does, he, why does he matter? Trying to kind of downplay who Christ actually is. And so we get this in the book of Colossians, Paul's letter to here, uh, and we, we read this. We're going to actually start in verse 24 uh, this morning and read until the end of the chapter, but we'll kind of go through some other stuff as well. So Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard for Christ's affections, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by, commission, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Did you catch the seven words that I'm going to be talking about this morning? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We, we're going to kind of talk about those seven words. We're going to talk about all of what, was, what is being said here, but the focus is on those four words. Remember, as we give up all we have to Christ, Christ gives us all he is. Christ comes and lives in us. And I'm convinced that if we grasp 
this truth and this image, it will shape the way that we live our lives as Christians. So we're going to kind of camp out and actually kind of unpack this phrase word by word this morning. We're going to start where everything should start with that very first word, Christ. Christ. It starts with Christ. I think we need to kind of understand what's going on here. Again, the book of Colossians was written by Paul to a church because of false teachings. And these false teachings were really threatening to undermine the foundation of the faith. Namely, who is Jesus? Was Jesus divine? Or was he just a human? He can't be both, right? So he's got to be one or the other. That's, what, that's kind of what the, the teachings were. Jesus was human, but Jesus was divine. In fact, what we see happening through chapter 1 is kind of Paul walking us through who Jesus is. Right, we get in, in verse 15, we see that, that we read this, the Son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, that Jesus is the image of God. He is God revealed in the flesh. You get to chapter 2, verse 9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. This is Colossians 2, 9, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. So Jesus, he's making it really clear here, Jesus is the image of God. Jesus is God. Yes, he came in human form, but he has all the fullness of God. He is both God and human. He is the image of God. He, he reveals the character of God to us. He reveals the love of God to us. He reveals the grace of God and the forgiveness of God to us. Christ embodies all of this. He is the image of God. He keeps going here in verse 16 and 17, uh, and he says, he says this, For in him, in Christ, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So this Christ that we are talking about is not only just the image of God, but he is really the author of all creation. Uh, he, he was there when it happened. Not only, he, was, he is sustaining creation, right? Jesus takes his hand off of creation and everything ceases to be. He is the sustainer of all things. The reason grass grows in Fresno is because of Jesus. That is the only reason grass grows in Fresno, right? Because of Jesus. The only reason any of us have a breath right now, the song that we just sang, it's your breath in our lungs. So we pour out our praise. The only reason we have any of that is because of Christ. He sustains everything. He holds all things together. So Jesus, Paul is making a case here. Jesus is the image of God. Jesus is the author of creation. He keeps going in verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. He's, he's the image of God. He's the author of creation. He's also the head of the church. He is our head, not just of this church, but the church. Remember earlier we were praying for all the Nazarene churches in the Central Valley, right? The church, not even just Nazarene churches. We're talking about the church, every church. He is the head of the church, the body of Christ. I mean, just think of it, we even call it the body of Christ, right? This is Jesus that we're talking about here. He is the head. He is the image of God. He's the author of creation. He's the head of the church. You get to verse 19 and 20. For God was pleased to say to have all his fullness dwell in him, in Jesus. And through him, through Jesus, 
to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Now, I could honestly do a whole series just on that one paragraph. I really could. Maybe we'll do that after this series. I don't know. Maybe we'll send the summer in Colossians. But not only is he the image of God, the author of creation, he's the head of the church, he is the savior of the world. Not only did Christ create all things, but in anything, the only reason any of those created things can be reconciled and restored is through Jesus, through his blood shed on the cross. This is the picture of Christ in Colossians. And you just got to think about this. If that Christ is anywhere near you, things are different. If that Christ is anywhere near you, it completely changes everything. But the beauty of Colossians 1.27 is that that Christ is not just near you. That Christ is in you. The author of creation, the head of the church, the creator and the sustainer of everything is in you. That's the Christ that Paul is talking about here. That's the Christ that we receive and we give up all that we are to him. We receive that Christ in, in us. Which leads us to those next words. That Christ in us. Christ in us. Not just near us, not just with us, but in us. And this is the, the mystery that Paul is talking about here because there's an image of God that is shared all throughout the Old Testament and in much of Scripture. God with us. You go to the Genesis. Genesis 12, Genesis 15. God is with Abram, soon to be Abraham. He says, go and I will be with you. Isaac, I'm going to be with you. Jacob, I'm going to be with you, right? We see it in Joseph. We see it in Moses. We see Joshua and Gideon and Samson and Solomon and Jeremiah. All of these characters, all these people that we know and read about and love in the Old Testament, they all kind of have this promise from God. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. We see it in Exodus. God is literally with his people in the pillar of fire, the pillar of, of cloud. He's protecting his people. He is with his people. You get to the New Testament and Jesus has a name when he comes. You will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. But then you get to John chapter 13. And in John chapter 13, Jesus says this. He says, my children, I will be with you only a little while longer. All of a sudden, God with us is leaving. And there's some confusion God with us is, is leaving. But in John chapter 14, we are told about the Holy Spirit. That unless I go, the Advocate can't come. The Holy Spirit cannot come. And I need the Holy Spirit to come. He will guide you. He will be with you. He will comfort you. We've talked about him quite a bit over the last year. We see this. The mystery that is now to close to the saints is this. Not God with you, but God in you. Not just God with you, but God in you. This is an amazing truth. I mean, think about this. this is, Jesus died to save you from your sins. He, he died to forgive us. But here's a truth for you this morning. And in fact, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this this morning. Jesus died for you so that he might live in you. Jesus died for you so that he might live in you. All, as we give up all we are to Christ, Christ comes and dwells in us, not just with us, but in 
Uh, so it draws me back to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, when Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. He says, the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. But I want you just to hear that. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is this exchange that we are talking about. I have been crucified with Christ. I, I have given up everything of me. The life I live in the body, I, it's not me. It's just Christ living in me. Christ in me. And what does this mean? What does this look like? It means as we, as we follow through with this exchange of all that I am for all that Christ is, we are transformed from the inside out. We're transformed. And we're going to explore that over the next, next five or six weeks. We're going to kind of talk about how, how this, this exchange really transforms all that we are. It transforms our mind and our emotions, our body, our will, our, uh, the way that we see our mission and our vision, we, everything. You know, the funny thing is, I think we go at this the wrong way sometimes. I, I hear this all the time with people who, who are not yet Christians. I need, to, I need to get my life figured out first, and then I'll, then I'll start coming to church. I need to kind of figure out what's going on. I need to kind of square away my relationships. I need to do all this stuff, and then I'll start coming to church. Maybe I'll give my life to Christ then. When in reality, <clears throat> our pursuit of God, letting him live in and through us, is what is going to change all of those things. All right, we go at it backwards sometimes, but that really is it. There's a quote that I read this week from Ian Thomas, and I just want to read this. I, I, I'm going to read it slow. I want you to listen hard. It's not a short one, but I want, you to, I want you to hear this. He says, Beware, unless even as a Christian you fall into Satan's trap. You may have found and come to know God and the Lord Jesus Christ, receiving him sincerely as your Redeemer. Yet if you do not enter into the mystery of godliness and allow God to be in you, the origin of his own image. You will seek to be godly by submitting yourself to external rules and regulations and by conforming to behavior patterns imposed on you by the particular Christian society that you have chosen and in which you hope to be found acceptable. You will, in this way, perpetuate the pagan habit of practicing religion and in the energy of the flesh. And in the very pursuit of righteousness, commit idolatry and honoring Christianity more than Christ. That's powerful. That's powerful. If we don't submit ourselves and allow God to, to be in us, if we don't, as he says, enter into this mystery of God in us, that's, that's powerful stuff. What he is saying here is let Christ live in you. Let his life and his love overflow from you so you aren't consumed with trying to, to make the Christian life a reality yourself. 
Instead, you're allowing him to move and to live in and through you. You are letting him do that. Christ in, in us. That third word, Christ in you. Let's keep moving here a little bit. Christ in, not just with you. Now, we've been talking about this exchange, but this is really the Christian life. The Christian life is sort of an exchanged life. We give up all that we are. We receive all that he is. But if we think about it, there are, there are basically two cores that we could have at the core of who we are. There is our sinful nature, that can be our core, or Christ. Those are really the two options. We can either continue to live with the sinful nature at the core of who we are, or we can live with Christ as the core of who we are. Christ in us theoretically means that Christ would be the core of who we are, right? We, unfortunately, I think, thanks to Adam and Eve, are all plagued by the sinful nature. But as a result, no matter how hard we work, we still have this fundamental problem in our core. We are either going to live according to the sinful nature or we're going to allow Christ to be the core of who we are. One of those two things. We can pretend, and sometimes we even get it right, but unless we exchange the core of who we are, we will miss out on what it means to follow Christ. I think of even Matthew chapter 7. This, in the book of Matthew, Jesus is, this is in the, middle, the tail end of the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7. Jesus, Jesus says this. He says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. There are people that we can pretend pretty well. We can pretend that we've got it. We can pretend that we're, we're doing it for Christ. We can even do it in Christ's name. I think we fall into that trap that Ian Thomas was talking about. But unless we allow this exchange to fully take place in us, I think there are many people who will hear those words from Jesus. I never knew you. I never knew you. The beauty of this, though, is that Jesus has exchanged his life for us. That's the beauty of the cross. He took our sinful nature. He takes our sinful core. He crucified it, and and in its place, he put himself on the cross. He puts the Spirit of God inside of us, Christ in you. This is an exchanged life. This This is the Christian life. It is an exchanged life. Jesus takes our sinful nature and exchange gives us himself. He allows us to live in a powerful way. Right, Christ in you. This is, a, this is huge. Christ in you. We'll keep moving here. Christ in you, what? The hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope. Let's talk about this hope that we have in Jesus because this is the goal. We trust in Christ. Christ is in us. I love this verse 28 in Colossians. I'm not there anymore. Let me get there. Uh, Colossians 1.28, he says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Fully mature in Christ. To this I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Uh, I mean, we are, we are in Christ. We are fully mature in Christ. I don't want you to miss those two words. Fully mature in Christ. God, Christ is in us, we are in Christ. Fully mature in Christ. He, he goes on in, in just a couple chapters later, Colossians chapter 3, uh, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. 
Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Here's what he says. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So here we go. We are hidden in Christ who is in God. If this is not a hope, I don't know what hope is. Right, we give ourselves to Christ, and Christ comes in us, and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. Think about this. This is, this is hope this morning. If, if Satan wants to do anything to you, he has to find a way to get through God, which he doesn't have a very good track record of. Then he has to come face to face with Christ. He tried that. We celebrated that a couple weeks ago. He lost that one as well. That's a picture of security right there. Now, we have hope in Christ. We have hope in our relationship. We have hope. Why do we have hope? Because Christ is in us. We give up all we are. And Christ is in us. The hope of what? The hope of glory. We find ourselves once again with him forever. Verse 28, that was, that's the goal. You know, this, this is the goal, that we would be fully mature in Christ. That passage that I was just reading, chapter, chapter 3, verse 3, verse 4 says this, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Philippians chapter 3. Says this, Philippians chapter 3, starting at verse 20. I'm in Colossians still, that was weird. Starting at verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so they will be like his glorious body. You get to 1 John, 1 John chapter 3. Verse 2, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what will be has not yet been made known, but we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. The goal, the, the purpose, the end of this Christian life is that on one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We will be complete in Christ. There will be no more struggle with sin, no more sorrow, no more pain. We will be complete in him. This is the truth this morning. Christ in us now means Christ, means us with Christ forever. Us, Christ in us now means us with Christ forever. So here's questions for you this morning. Have you given your life to Christ? Second question. Have you allowed Christ to be the core of who you are? Amen. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want to just see how, I want to just show you how Paul ends this little piece here. Verse 29, I want you to see what Paul is working towards. He says, you know, this is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And here's what he says. This is, what, this is how Paul lives because of all of this. 
To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is what I'm going for. This is where we are all going. This is the end, that we might present everyone fully mature in Christ. This is what I'm contending for, and I do it with all of the energy that Christ has put in me. That's a mission right there. That should be our mission as well. Christ in us, the hope of glory. What do we do with this? I'm going to go out and I'm going to contend with all of the energy that Christ puts in me because Christ is in me. So with all the energy that Christ has within me, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and make sure at one point, everyone, we can present everyone fully mature in Christ. Everyone. Your neighbor, people in this neighborhood, People in Fresno, people in all the Central Valley we've been praying for, all of us, that we would present everyone fully mature in Christ. This is, this is big. This is a beautiful picture. This is big. We exchange all that we are. We give up all of us, all of me. And in exchange, we receive all of Christ. The core of who we are. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. I want you this week to just, just continually just think about that phrase, those seven words. They're not hard to memorize. Seven words. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I wake up and I go to the grocery store. Christ in me, hope of glory. Taking kids to school. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I'm at work. Christ in me, the hope of glory. May I contend with all the energy that that Jesus puts in me that other people would be able to say that as well. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Would that, those seven words, just echo in your mind this week as we go forward. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen, let's pray.